It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This Locked On Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box, and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. The 10 and 2 Vikings are dogs in Detroit with the Lions favored now by two and a half points. Plus, what's going on with Ed Donatel's defense and how it can be fixed? We're discussing that and plenty more. It's coming up next on Superior Sports Talk. Locked on Sports Minnesota Podcasts. It's endless Minnesota Vikings talk with the diverse voices of your local experts. Now it's Superior Sports Talk with CARE 11 sports anchor Reggie Wilson and Luke Inman. It's 30 minutes every day, and it's all the Minnesota sports you need. It's Superior Sports Talk, and it starts now. Back in the lab, Reggie Luke, back at it. Another episode, Superior Sports Talk, presented by Lockdown Sports Minnesota. It's your daily 30-minute breakdown, everything Minnesota sports, which you can now find streaming on your Roku or Amazon Fire Stick devices. Just look out for our Lockdown Sports Minnesota app there as well. That's the man, Reggie Wilson, on Twitter, at Reggie Wilson TV. Check him out every night up on CARE 11. Wednesday, Reg, hump day. What's happening? How you feeling? Feeling good, man. We've got... Pretty good uh, sports night here in Minnesota. I think we're still just kind of on pins and needles waiting to see what Carlos Correa does. So it's uh, it's, a, it's a Wednesday. It's a Wednesday. Yeah, I was going to say, I'd love to talk about the Wolves. They got, what, three, four-day break. We'll have to wait for tomorrow to talk about that. But so much to get into. First, remember, follow along Locked On Minnesota YouTube channel. Hit the subscribe button. Leave us a comment. End on Twitter. Give us a follow. It's at Locked On M-I-N. And remember, we're a podcast, too, free and available, all platforms, Spotify, Apple, you name it. We got it. tons of great choices over there. You got the Ron Johnson Show. You got the Football Party and more. Your one-stop shop with endless Viking stock with local experts, do us a favor, hit the subscribe button, and drop us a five-star review. Speaking of YouTube every day, I post that new poll up on Lockdown Minnesota YouTube community page yesterday. I asked fans, who was the unsung hero in Sunday's win versus the Jets? Let's switch it up today. Instead of me reading off the choices and the results, you tell me first who your unsung hero was. Who you got here, Rich? Uh, I, I, honestly, it's probably Cam Bynum for the plays that he made on Sunday and also the the game ceiling interception 
It had yep. to be him. Okay, I like that. Obviously, can't go wrong with Bynum. Here were the four choices. I thought Bynum may be a little bit too sung of a hero, not so much unsung. So I went with Jordan Hicks because of that pass breakup in the end zone on Barrios. I still say without that play, Vikes may lose that game. Alexander Madison, he scored a touchdown. Blake Brandle or Patrick Jones, who had the team's only sack. Here were the results. Patrick Jones runs away with it 51%, followed by Blake Brandle in second at 23%. And I would like to say, all Blake Brandle has done is hold his own against Von Miller and the Bills, Pats and Jets defense, arguably the top two defenses in the league, and the Cowboys, which that was a learning experience for all five of those guys, so not holding that one against them. He's been rock solid, filling in for Derrissaw, and I think he's got enough good tape now to maybe put out there that someone could see him as maybe a possible future starting left tackle in the league. Really pumped for him. Hicks and Madison were three and four, but I'll say this. You go to the comments section, and Duke Shelley's name was littered all throughout, calling out, just like Brandel, the great job he's done filling in despite teams trying to pick on him down in the red zone over and over. Jalen Rager also got a few shout outs there too. So there you go. Remember, go check out the Lockdown Sports Minnesota YouTube page every day, posting a new poll over there. Hit the subscribe button so you never miss a beat. Go comment. Let us know what you think. All right. To football we go, Reg, five and seven Lions favored this week versus the 10 and two Vikings. Line in Vegas opened at one, now has moved all the way up to two and a half. 10 wins later, nine one score victories on the resume, and this Vikings team still getting no respect. Tell me why they're underdogs this week and what makes this Lions team just so dangerous. I think it's just all these one-score games, them winning by the skin of their chinny-chin-chins every week. Mm -hmm. I think that just does not inspire confidence that the Vikings are quote-unquote for real. You know, they look at the record, but they're like, man, these could have gone the other way. But it's like they didn't. So you kind of have to take them as where they are, you know. But mm -hmm. I, I think, you know, it, it's recency bias as well. You know, the Lions are putting up a, a bunch of points. You know, they they – beat up on Jacksonville, which is like, eh, you know, Jacksonville is a much improved team from the mess with Urban Meyer last year. But I guess it's just recency bias. You know, Jamal Williams is running hard. They, they've they developed like that two-headed monster there. And golf is passing it all over the field with their weapons. They got Jamison Williams coming in as well. Like the defense is playing a little better as well. Like I think – that's probably what's going on there. You know, the, the people are, are seeing the last few games from the Lions and seeing the last few games from the Vikings, and they're kind of measuring them against each other and figuring that the, the Lions are playing much better than the Vikings. And it's like, okay, like, I guess, but it's kind of weird. You know, the Vikings own a win over the Lions this year. They own 10 wins <laughs> this year overall, but somehow – betters are like oh no 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 but we like the lions in this one it's like uh okay like i i guess the vikings just seem like they're going to be a team that continues to have to prove teams wrong and especially until they if it even happens but especially until they just go up and just steamroll a team but it remains to be seen if that's even going to happen this year yeah, Vegas just daring betters to bet the Vikings, and they still won't do it right now. It's wild to think about, though, after that 1-6 start, they've not only battled their way back to respectability, one could argue they're playing their way to a wild card spot, and if they got in the dance 
watch out. This could be the team nobody wants to play come January. You never want to play the team that's red hot, first of all, playing with house money and with nothing to lose. And the Lions are blazing right now with their only loss in the last five weeks was to the Bills Thanksgiving Day, a game they easily could have and probably should have walked away winners from their offense one of the best in the leagues. They just put up 40 last week, as you mentioned, versus the Jags. They've scored at least 30 or more six times already this year. And now, scariest part about it, you mentioned it, they're finally getting healthy for the first time. Sunday, they're going to have Amon Ross St. Brown, who I think is the most underrated wideout in the NFL right now. DJ Chark's coming back. Josh Reynolds is going to be back. And oh, yeah, they're going to unleash that top 15 first round pick Jamison Williams this week versus the Vikes for the first time when you mix all that with that outstanding young offensive line maybe the best two-headed running game in the league Jared Goff just licking his chops right now and the defense too that was always the Achilles heel they're gonna have to score 40 points if they want to win every week defense has gotten better Aiden Hutchinson Ben the Rock they've needed in the trenches over these last four or five years and rushing the passer Jeff Okuda kind of revived his career on the boundary over there at cornerback and whether it's Blake Rodrigo the first half of the season or now this seventh rounder James Houston who by the way First guy in franchise history to record multiple sacks in his Lions debut. They've got rookie linebackers that are playing at a high level right now. So whether they win or not this Sunday, I've just been saying this for a while now, as you know. Watch out. This NFC North could be flipped upside down over the next few years with how much just young, solid talent this Lions team has. Not to mention five Top 75 picks in this upcoming draft, including what should be a top three pick. All right, Reg, so when it comes to trying to stop anyone, let alone the Lions, high potent offense, the Vikings have struggled mightily this year. Ed Donatel's defense, one of the worst in multiple categories. Specifically, though, everybody picks on this one. The yards given up, they ranked dead last in the league. They made Mac Jones, they made Mike White look like pro bowlers back-to-back weeks. So it's scary to think about what Goff might be able to do, but their one saving grace is this bend but don't break style of defense. I love what you mentioned yesterday. Pats and Jets, despite all their success moving the ball in between the 20s, one for nine in the red zone. And of course, the Vikings are just finding ways to win and close out these games at the end. Is that sustainable, though, once you get into the playoffs with such high-powered teams and more so just in general? Why all the fuss in the first place? Like, where are these defensive woes coming from? Is it Ed Donatel in the scheme, what he's calling? Or is it a player personnel issue given all the injuries that they've faced? What do you think? I think it's a mixture of the two. You know, I think... I talked to Harrison Phillips a few times over the last month, and he talked about it like they subscribe to the bend but don't break defense. And so they're going to give up some yardage, but their hope is that they can keep teams out of the end zone and they can hold teams to field goals when they do, you know, get beyond the 50-yard line. And so that's, I think – a scheme thing. I think that's just kind of like a mentality of the defense thing. And, you know, I do think that while they do have some key pieces along each front or each level of that defense, the defensive line is is strong. You know, the linebacking unit is strong and they have some strong pieces in the secondary as well. I think, you know, they probably could bolster some of those units to kind of help them along a little bit more in some of these situations where they can be a little bit more of a shutdown defense. And so 
I think it's a mixture of the two of those that that kind of keeps them just because when you look at what they did against like some of these high scoring teams, like against Buffalo, it was like, oh man, like if this defense is not going to do what it's supposed to do, like it's going to be a long day. And at some point in that first half, it did look like that. It was like, oh man, like this defense is getting exposed. But then they kind of tightened up, allowed the offense to kind of get back in it. And they were able to get the game into overtime and we saw what happened. And so when you ask, is it sustainable? I guess it just depends. Like it's a, it's a any given Sunday thing. Like they'll try to bend, but don't break. And, you know, it'll be sustainable on some drives, you know, other drives, they may give up some things, but it is encouraging. If you look at it from that defensive perspective, that they have kept teams out of the end zone as much as they have, because that part is sustainable. Mm-hmm. And if they can continue to do that, they continue to get confidence. And it's like, it's something about that team. Like once they get, you know, in the twenties and you're like, uh-uh, nothing, they get nothing, they get nothing. It's a mentality thing. And look, people will trade three points for seven points, especially from the defensive perspective all day long. If they Mm -hmm. just continue to give up three points, three points, three points. I feel like we saw young G. Well, he's not young Jeezy anymore. He's old Jeezy. Greg, the legs are lying. (laughs) I I feel like we saw him just kicking a bajillion field goals on Sunday. Like it was ridiculous, but they weren't touchdowns. That's sustainable. I feel like. Yeah, it's a mindset. It's in their DNA now. It's almost like the defense is licking their chops once they get down to the 20s, ready to make a splash play. That Bills game was a perfect example. Bills, Josh Allen just marching up and down the field, but when mm-hmm. it got down to the red zone in crunch time, Patrick Peterson comes away with two crucial red zone interceptions. Obviously, last week versus the Jets, Cam Bynum seals the deal at the end as well. Every person knows, though, a good defense starts and stops in the trenches with stopping the run, getting after the passer, kind of cliche, right? But right now, the Vikings run stop win rate, 16th in the league. Dead middle. Not good, not bad. In fact, I think they've actually looked good outside the Cowboys and Eagles games. You take out those two games, which I know you can't do, but they'd probably rank somewhere near top 10, 11, 12-ish, somewhere in there. You get to the pass rush, though. They're 29th in the league in pass rush win rate, and that's where you start to scratch your head. Zedaria Smith was on fire those first two months. Daniil Hunter, we know he's capable of double-digit sacks every year when healthy. Plus, maybe the best depth on the team with Wanham and Jones when you look at the landscape of any other position. So it's just kind of confusing. And remember, the first half of the year, Donatel kept just pleading with us, be patient. He said, this is what the first seven, eight weeks are supposed to look like when you make the switch from a 4-3 to a 3-4, and that Hunter would be just fine. But here we are, it's week 13, and it almost feels like it's getting worse in some aspects. And for me, it comes down to the fact Zedarius just doesn't look healthy right now. And when I look at the fact the NFC North pretty much all but wrapped up, and the fact that you have two young edge guys ready to log some snaps, I think it's time we have a long discussion about letting him rest until the playoffs, getting him back to his healthy, explosive self for that playoff run. And I think Wanham and Jones can hold their own and get some valuable playing time in the process. And the reward of getting a more explosive Zedarius for the playoffs outweighs the risk of sitting him these next few weeks. That's the biggest issue with this defense, though, in my eyes. I think it's time to just call a spade a spade because Zedarius, you see him out there. He's just hobbling around, and it's only going to get 
get worse if you continue to play him 50, 60 snaps this next month. By the time you get into the playoffs, there might not be anything left in the tank, but if they'll find a way to start getting pressure again, if this defense can get after the passer again, I think this defense as a whole start to play at a much higher level on a game-to-game, week-in and week-out basis. All right, coming up next, I'm going to ask Reggie, if Kirk Cousins is still underrated. But first, Vikings now 10-1 to to win the Super Bowl. Vikings open this week versus the Lions as one-point underdogs. That line has now moved all the way up to two and a half. Make sure to keep tabs all season long and check those odds out and more with BetOnline, BetOnline.net. Fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. Find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Stats, news, info, you want it, they got it. They got NFL. NHL, NBA, even MMA and UFC. Bet Online makes betting easy and is your number one source for all your betting needs. Go to betonline.net today to learn more. That's betonline.net where the game starts. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire you need indeed all right back to football we go ESPN came out with this analytic piece noting which teams in the league are the most analytically driven right now Vikings were actually tied for fifth right behind the Browns at number one Ravens Eagles Falcons Bills so I see the Browns up there and it makes sense knowing Quasey came from that Andrew Barry tree over from Cleveland brought a lot of those same philosophies over with them here to Minnesota the article also goes on to ask 21 of these teams analytic groups which players based off these numbers are undervalued wouldn't you know it Kirk Cousins was the top of the list, the most undervalued player in the league right now, according to this little poll and consensus. One front office member even said this, Cousins probably isn't the most undervalued controlling for his position, but he probably generates the most value compared to how much people think he does. He's easily a well above average quarterback. Reg, why is Kirk Cousins still so undervalued or underrated despite the 10 and two record? What do you think? I think it's because you look at the the numbers. 2,900 yards passing, 18 touchdowns, nine interceptions. Nothing to really, like, sneeze at. Nothing to really go home to to mom and say, oh, man, our quarterback is a quarterback. You know, you look at, you know, guys like Joe Burrow. You look at Justin Herbert. You look at Patrick Mahomes. All these guys that are, uh, you know, much more explosive. Josh Allen and much more flashy. And Kirk is not that. He's just like a steady Eddie guy. And a lot of times in this um, in this season, which is probably why the the public perception is down on them, and even Vegas is down on them, picking them as an underdog against the Lions this Sunday. Like I think it's because like usually teams go by their quarterback, and this Vikings team is going by their quarterback, and he's just winning games. But like we haven't seen very many like 300 yard passing performances, you know, three plus touchdown passing performances where he's just lighting it up. He's making just enough plays to help them win games, but he's not necessarily being the, 
you know, overly deciding factor on why they win games. He's not willing them to wins with his arm or his legs. And I think that's something that, you know, you see from this modern day, like superstar quarterback that we just don't see from Kirk Cousins. He's not a flashy guy. Him wearing those chains on the plane is probably the most flashy that we've seen of him this season. He's passed for more yards than he has before. He's thrown for more touchdowns. I think the interception number is up compared to his career numbers. And so it's just, it's not like flashy. And then you look at Sunday, he didn't really have his best. Didn't even get over 200 yards passing in that game. And there were several throws that he missed. And that kind of feeds the agenda to like, oh, Kirk Cousins is not that good. And it's just like, well, he's not like, you know, a top five QB in the league, but he is more than serviceable. He's much more than a game manager. They can put the ball in his hands and and let him make plays, and he's done that. So I think he's proven that. But there's just this stigma that has gone with him that he's not a big-time quarterback. You know, the primetime Kirk, he he performed well in that primetime game on Thanksgiving against the Patriots, and it still wasn't enough to prove the naysayers wrong. So it's just that's the narrative that has been built with Kirk Cousins. And so that's just kind of what's happened to him at this point. And he just has to continue to show week in and week out that he can will or or not even will his teams, but he can help put his team in position to win these games. And really, that's all that matters. You're right. It's such a numbers-driven game now, isn't it? And and people want Madden video game numbers from your quarterback and star yeah. players every week and every year. That's like the bar now. That's the standard. And I think you're right. Unfortunately for Cousins, he just isn't putting up the stats like he has in the past or what we all hoped he would under this offensive-minded head coach and scheme. And he just doesn't fit the prototypical modern quarterback anymore, right? I mean, everybody, when you look at the prototypical guy, they're dual threat guys at minimum. Everybody wants to dual threat guys. Lamar, Patrick Mahomes, people forget, rushes for 40, 50 yards a game. Josh Allen, there's tons of them. And Kirk just doesn't fit that modern prototypical quarterback in today's day and age fact remains though he's finding a way to win games like you said his team's 10 and 2 and at the end of the day I guarantee you fans would take the wins over the stats and pro bowls etc all day every day and I do think the numbers will come under this new scheme and regime it's just taking a bit longer both offensively and defensively than I think we all expected that's all all right time has come for our gimme one segment first one up here Reg there are seven intradivisional matchups in week 14. Some huge matchups this Sunday on the line. Give me one team mm-hmm. who, if they win, would have the most meaning. Which one team needs a win this week? You know what? It's funny to, to say, but I look at this Philadelphia-New York Giants game, mm-hmm. and we talked about it yesterday. The Giants are still alive, technically, for the division with a couple games against the Eagles still left on the schedule. So if they're able to find a way to win on Sunday against the the Eagles, like that may do a lot for not only the Giants, but that may do a lot for the public perception of what the Eagles are. You know, the Eagles went out there and just steamrolled the Tennessee Titans on Sunday, and it was just like, oh, dang, like, this team is all world. Like, just go ahead and book them in the Super Bowl. But, like, if they are able to lose 
to the Giants on Sunday, then then that's when you start thinking like, okay, like they are beatable. Maybe the Vikings are are much more alive than maybe we think. And I think that just kind of the parity of the league is is what it is. And I think that probably like helps in the grand scheme of things, especially if your uh, perspective uh, is here in Minnesota as a Vikings fan, you're like, yeah, like you can see different blue because they've only lost one game this year. And Mm -hmm. we saw what happened when the Vikings went up against them head to head. And so I think if you kind of see a little bit of a blueprint out there of maybe how you can beat the Eagles team, because, you know, when the, the commanders beat them on Monday night, like you saw some things, but I think you more so saw the Eagles kind of beating themselves. But if they can go out there and actually beat the Eagles, the Giants, and kind of show like, okay, this is what you have to do to stabilize the Eagles, I think that does a lot in the NFC picture as a whole. If they were to beat the Eagles, that would go such a long way. Remember, they got a tough schedule here, but they play the Eagles twice in the next three weeks. If they were to start Mm -hmm. that out by winning this week, that would go such a long way, as you just mentioned, not only for their division, but for the entire landscape of the NFC, help the Vikings out quite a bit as well. Remember, the Vikings still have to play the Giants next week, too, after the Lions, so that's going to be interesting if the Giants win this week as well. You could say the Jets beating the Bills, that would be huge, too, for the same reasons. It would be huge, not only for the AFC East, but the entire AFC playoff race would be just complete chaos at that point. Those two games I'm kind of circling, but for sure, when you think about the Vikings lens, certainly you're going to scan over to the NFC. I think this Giants-Eagles game has a lot riding on that one. Next one up, give me the one off-season trade. There was a lot of trades this season. Give me the one off-season trade that has helped or hurt the receiving team the most. I can think of two or three really big ones that come to mind. Yeah, I we just talked about the Eagles. That mm-hmm. AJ Brown. That's dude, what I was gonna that say. Might have, that might have messed around and got the Titans GM fired yesterday. Yeah. Good lord, what the heck? Yeah. Like the Titans have been largely successful under John Robinson, and he's shown the door by Amy Adams Strunk. He's just he's he's out the dry. And it's like apparently now Vrabel didn't want to trade AJ Brown. He wasn't necessarily consulting Vrabel or Amy Adams Strunk on these um, personnel decisions. And now, you know, Vrabel is going to get kind of like a Belichick type role on personnel decisions moving forward. That A.J. Brown trade was, I mean, the the guy is a pro bowler and all pro receiver. Like you don't just try. I mean, they got a first round pick and a, what was that third round pick for him? First and a that third. Ended up yeah. Being yep. Traylon Burks and mm-hmm. Burks looks like he can be a, a player in the league. And so that's fine. But man, you look at what AJ Brown did to them on Sunday and yikes. The hard part is finding these guys, scouting them, drafting, picking the right guy, then developing them. The easy part is paying them after all your hard work is paid off. Titans forgot to do that part. They let them walk. Yeah, they get some good compensation back, but having a true alpha number one wideout in this league right now is so beneficial. It's so clear in this pass-happy league and so beneficial for your quarterback as well. And we've seen the progression and development Jalen Hurts specifically has been able to take now that he's got 
got more than just Devontae Smith and Dallas Goddard. He's got that true number one big-bodied weapon out there. That, I think, Mm -hmm. has been the biggest key for his development during this offseason and through the 2022 season. Devontae Adams to the Raiders, that was obviously big. Tyreek Hill to the Miami Dolphins. I still think Mike Daniels, he still would have been successful and found ways to put points up with Jalen Waddell and Tua. Tyreek, obviously, the cherry on top. He's a stud. But that A.J. Brown to Philly has helped out not only Jalen Hurts, but obviously the entire Eagles team in a big way. And like you said, vice versa, has really hurt the Titans. The GM, as you mentioned, gets fired yesterday. All right, last one. Got to sneak one T-Wolves in here. We haven't talked Wolves in a couple days. Wolves play tonight. Give me the one thing you hope the T-Wolves are working on or improve the most during this three, four-day rest. Just continuing to like build that chemistry. It was interesting. I got a chance to talk to the GOAT, uh, Rebecca Brunson, yesterday Mm. uh, at an event. And I asked her, I'm like, what's going on with this Timberwolves team? Why can't they do what they built this team to do? And she was just like, she felt like they're just pressing out there. They're, They're thinking too much out there. She was like, you look at the Cavs with their two big men, Jared Allen and Evan Mobley. And she was like, man, they're just going out there and running. She's like, Donovan is not, Donovan Mitchell is not just like pronouncing like, hey, let's get into the pick and roll. Like it's just happening organically. And she was like, there was a lot of pressure being put on this team to make it work because they did make this like zag while the league was zigging and put these two big men together. And now you're doing it without one of your big men. And you're still trying to figure out like the chemistry. Okay, how do we get the ball and and put it in a position where Rudy can, number one, clean up the boards, get him the ball in the paint in favorable positions where he can just high percentage bucket it up. And also, you know, they still are just trying to figure out how to get themselves in their spots to make sure that they're making these shots. Because, you know, we talked about it, what was on Friday on the the roundtable, like, we don't anticipate this team is going to be shooting it at the low clip that they're shooting it right now. We, you know, hope to see them improve a little bit more, but they're going to have to try to get some chemistry going and just, just slow down and just play basketball. Like, just go out there and hoop. You know, and I think that's something that they're still trying to get in a groove of, especially integrating Rudy into it, trying to figure out how they do it without Cat. It's a work in progress. And uh, one thing Rebecca Brunson was saying is, you know, people expected that it would be kind of like hills and valleys. And that's exactly what's happening. But she felt like the, the worst of it is behind them. And I think that's what the fans are hoping for as well. Yeah, T-Wolves enjoyed that nice little break there. They play in the backyard tonight at Target Center. Tip-off 7 p.m. Central Standard Time against the Indiana Pacers. Rest assured, Reggie and I will be back tomorrow to break that down. Last one, the 2023 Vikings opponents were released. I don't know if you saw this. Give me one non-divisional home game and road game you're most excited or intrigued to see next year. Here's your real quick options. Outside of, obviously, the NFC North at home, Saints, Bucks, Chiefs, Chargers on the road, Falcons, Panthers, Broncos, Raiders. There's still a couple teams left in the air. Depends on who wins the division. Vikings obviously are going to play the winners of the NFC East and AFC North, along with the NFC West as well. But of the teams we know for sure, which one just excites you when you look at the schedule next year? Wait, so are they playing the AFC West next year? Is that what's going on? 
yeah, they're playing the AFC West next year. So they get the Chiefs and Chargers at home and the Broncos and Raiders on the road. And then the NFC South, they got the Saints and Bucks at home. They got the Falcons and Panthers on the road. They're either going to end up playing the winner of the NFC West, which is either going to be the Niners or Seahawks. And then they're going to play the winner of the NFC East, probably the Eagles, maybe the Cowboys on the road and the AFC North, either the Bengals or the Steelers. So three games still left up in the air, but of the opponents we know, which one just excites you that you're looking forward to being able to watch and cover? Well, if they do end up playing the Cowboys again, can we just get one in Jerry World? Like, don't bring Come them back on, to baby. Minnesota. Things things just happen there. They, we don't want to see that anymore. But I think when you talk about just the star power and just the excitement of it all, you talk about a former Super Bowl champion, the Kansas City Chiefs, like, that would be a fun fun game wait. to go to and be a part of. I've never seen Patrick Mahomes play in person. That's still kind of like one of those bucket list things. Like I've seen Lamar in person a few times. He's awesome to watch. I was there when he uh, made Kevin Harlan just go crazy when he mm. hit the spin move and took it 60 yards against the Bengals uh, a couple years ago. So like I've seen my fair share. I've seen Justin Herbert in person. He's phenomenal to watch. Like, I've seen some things, okay? I've seen some things, but I've not seen Patrick Mahomes. I would love that matchup. Like, beyond any other matchup, I would love to see that. I'm going to start saving a little bit of my paycheck to the side right now because those Chiefs <laughs> tickets are not going to be cheap. Ooh I can't wait to see the Chiefs. Chargers game is up there, too. I think the Chiefs do top it. And you talk about Super Bowl star power. If Tom Brady's still playing, if he's still kicking the can down the road next year, seeing Tom Brady at U.S. Bank Stadium just for the historical value, just watching Tom Brady one last time, that'll be really fun as well. So going to be interesting to see, again, most of their schedule is already released. Again, we got to see who wins the NFC West. Niners or Seahawks, we're going to get them at home. And then the winners of the NFC East, probably the Eagles, could be the Cowboys in the AFC North again. That'll be either at Cincy or at Baltimore. Going to be interesting. All right, that's a wrap today. Remember, like, rate, review, and subscribe to the YouTube channel. And join us every day for another episode with your 30-minute breakdown of everything Minnesota sports. We're a podcast, too. Free and available, all platforms. Subscribe, drop us that five-star review, and find us now streaming on your Roku or Amazon Fire Stick devices. Just look out for our Locked On Sports Minnesota app there as well. That's the man, Reggie Wilson, on Twitter, at Reggie Wilson TV. Check him out every night up on CARE 11. Luke Inman on Twitter. Twitter at Luke underscore Spinman. Special thanks to the producer, Matt DeBritz. We're back tomorrow with another episode of Superior Sports Talk, part of Lockdown Sports Minnesota. For Reggie, I'm Luke. Until tomorrow, signing out. Be blessed. Spread love today. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.